Everybody, welcome to the I Am Redemption podcast. Today, I'm very, very excited about our guest. We have Mr. Body Bags himself, Mr. Joe Pfeiffer. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, my man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, in training camp, getting ready for uh, what's next. And uh, yeah, I gotta shoot the shit a little bit. Definitely, dude. Uh, bro, I gotta ask you first question. What does it feel like to have Dana White, of all people, that say, if you want to make it in the UFC, be Joe Pfeiffer. How does that feel? I think I think the way I've explained it before is that it's it's a good representation of my perseverance uh, as far as just my life has gone. Um, you know, being turned away uh, in the beginning with a loss, my first career loss, being turned away with getting to the contender series for the first time and breaking my arm, going out, having surgery, coming back, you know, let alone the family life um, and, and all the things that I've sacrificed to be here, let alone the time that I've invested to be here. Uh, I think it was just one of those moments where it's like, man, being persevering and resilient, um, resilient is one of those things that, you know, you can't deny it and, and you get a big moment like that. You know, I, I don't think that I had like some crazy spectacular finish or shell out. Um, I just think that I can make people feel the emotions that I feel. And, uh, I think Dana felt it. So it was pretty cool, you know, to go from, you know, the kid that nobody gave a shot to, especially after I broke my arm to coming back and, and then hearing those words to solidify me being the only one that got a contract that night. Right. It was, it was beautiful. It was awesome to see. Dude, when I, when I met you, uh, when I met you last week in Austin, Austin for the fights, dude, there was, there was something about standing next to you and getting to talk with you that was much different from any of the other fighters I was standing around. Bro, there was a sense of confidence with you, with the way you were talking and how sure you were. And, uh, you could definitely tell you're, you're a dude that's been through some things. Um, when I told you the name of the podcast, you said, uh, you said, I remember you saying redemption. I like that. And that's why it's, it stuck out to me too, um, you know, I, I'm somebody that shouldn't have made it. Uh, heroin addiction, been to prison, kicked out of the military. Um, I definitely should not be sitting here today. But luckily, I've been been blessed to make it through that and be able to afford the opportunity to use my experience to help people. So um, game recognized game. And I see somebody else that's been through it, dude. It seems like you've had a very wild and crazy journey on the, on your way to becoming a fighter. Are you willing to dive into that a little bit and kind of talk about your upbringing? One of these things about where to start type deal, you know, uh, I started mixed martial arts at four and a half years old, you know, started with jujitsu was my foundation. Um, you know, I'm now 27 years old, so I've been doing it for quite some time. And, uh, you know, it was, it was one of these things where I didn't want to do it. You know, I, at first I loved it and I enjoyed it. You know, it was fun until it became, you know, wanting to be the best, like having, not even wanting at that point, but having to be the best because of your, your father's expectations and whatnot. And, you know, I'm not a boohoo guy about that, but, uh, you know, the way that it was taught and the way that it was enforced and the way the discipline was enforced around it was, was definitely highly, uh, abusive. And, um, you know, it was one of those things that you start to resent it. You start to hate it because of somebody else, not the actual sport. So, um, you know, I'm one of five kids. We're all, we're all related blood. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, my, my mom and my dad had a very abusive, uh, you know, domestic violent type, you know, marriage and relationship, let alone, uh, a very abusive towards their children, predominantly physically. My dad, um, you know, uh, that man was the best of both worlds, both physically and verbally. So, uh, from being, Kicked, stomped, hair pulled, ripped down, you know, thrown down, uh, you know, treated like a, a, a mini adult by a full, 
looking a full-fledged, you know, guy that came from a boxing background, uh, you know, needless to say, he, he did some damage. But, um, you know, as I grew older, I stuck with the sport and I didn't let it discourage me. I started finding my own identity, which is kind of bad at first, you know, in the long run, mm -hmm. it's bad. But, uh, you know, I started developing confidence in, in my own identity and like my own groove through uh, through competition and through jujitsu. So, um, you know, that I carried over into high school. I ran away at 16 years old because of the beatings and the abuse. And um, yeah, it kind of transpired from there. But it really depends on what part you want to know. <laughs> what, what did you... When you're saying your identity or discovering your identity was a bad thing long term, like, what did you mean by that? No, I'm not discovering my identity. I'm not one of those guys. I mean, as far as making fighting the sport my whole identity. Oh, exactly. Look at who I am outside of the sport. You know, this this is all I'm good at. This is all I know. Um, and then when you you know you gotta function and talk to people and be a normal human being, you're you're kind of the off the oddball out. Right. Because you've kind of taken to some form of athlete and that's it you don't know how to socialize i didn't i wasn't good at speaking i was very angry uh i was very egotistical you know i started forming this like nasty behavior and this i guess i don't want to say loose cannon but just kind of loose cannon type behavior where i was very uh just very on edge and very ready to you know fight people uh over the simplest things you know that's that's that young rage that young anger that that lack of guidance and uh you know, luckily I ran into the right people at the right time that caught me before I could do something bad or maybe make a, a bad choice that I couldn't come back from type deal. So, uh, yeah, that's what I mean by identity, you know, not making a support your entire being and being sure who you are as a person, figuring out the things that make you, you tick and piss you off, make you happy, sad, you know, whatnot. So was very unsure that at that time. Right. I'm glad. I'm glad you found it in your 20s. It took me damn near my mid-30s before I started figuring that shit out, before I, I was forced to. But uh, when you do, man, it, it's special. And, and, and I, don't, I don't know what it's like being a fighter, but, you know, being a soldier in the military, losing my identity there, and then, you know, becoming a, got injured, injured going to Iraq, got hooked on painkillers, led me into heroin, and then all of a sudden your identity is now an addict. And so to go from one to the other, you know, can be pretty earth-shattering. And so you get you come out of it, and it's like, all right, who the, who the fuck am I? What am I about? And so luckily through fitness and all that kind of stuff in my life, I've been able to rediscover that who I am. And now, you know, to be proud of who I am today. And, you know, uh, I just talked about it earlier with somebody It's and I'm, I'm curious if you feel the same way. Um, I did an interview one time and they asked me what, if I could go back and tell my younger self um, something to change, would I do it? What would I tell them to change? And I thought about it long and hard. And, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for anybody that got hurt along the way, but I wouldn't change a thing because now I understand I had to go through every single thing I did to be who I am today. And I wouldn't change that for anybody. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I wouldn't change it. You know, I'm not, I'm not broken by my past, which is why I'm here. You know, if I was broken by my past, maybe I would have a different, you know, view on it. But I, I really don't think that you should want to go in the past that much. Um, I think you should leave the past as the past and grow from those experiences. That's part of what learning is. And learning is usually fucking up in some regard, mm -hmm. uh, failing and, and, and losing yourself and coming back, or maybe not even losing yourself, but reaching out to somebody and saying, Hey, you know, I'm not happy with myself with this, but you know, change comes from also looking at yourself and understanding that you actually have a problem or that you actually, you know, you, you sense that you're a toxic person around other people or you're making a bad decision. Look, we know right from wrong. That's taught at a very young age and there's so much 
there's so much available to know what is right and wrong. Um, and, and, and even though society accepts a lot of wrongs as normality, mm-hmm. you know, what's right, you know, what's wrong. And there's that gut instinct. There's that, that natural feeling of like, man, I shouldn't be here or I don't trust this person or I don't trust this. And a lot of the times your gut is usually right. So, uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't want to go in the bat the past and change anything. It's taught me a lot. It's made me mature. It's made me, uh, you know, very intelligent as far as who I think is trying to, um, be in my life for a certain particular reason or a gain or, you know, even just pure friendship. So, uh, I think I'm a good judge of character. I think it's taught me a lot and, uh, yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world, man. Look at my story. It's unfolded. It, it, I couldn't have, I couldn't have written a better story for my own career, my own past. So, Hey, power to the power to the past. Yeah. Let's go. What, um, What did you, like, when did you start, well, first let me ask you, you, you had said earlier about getting around the right people. I, I'm assuming you're talking about your gym and your team? No, oh, starting my high school, man, my high school wrestling coach. That is the whole reason why I'm here and I'm a USC fighter today. Um, uh, you know, at 16 years old is when I met him, and I just moved state from New Jersey to Pennsylvania. And my dad was trying to cut me off from any athletic sports whatsoever, wrestling. You know, I wasn't allowed to play football. Um, but particularly the reason I joined the wrestling team against as well is because I refused to let go of when he tried to cut me off from jujitsu. Um, I didn't accept it and I joined the wrestling team and, uh, that was my way of staying in competition and, and adding because I always wanted to be an MMA fighter since I was eight years old. And, um, I was like, well, fuck it. If I can't do jujitsu, I'm just going to go walk to school and go to practice. Um, he wouldn't pick me up. He wouldn't take me home. Many of times it was my, uh, he was the assistant coach at the time. And he would pick me up in the morning, you know, so I didn't have to walk. And he would drop me off um, so I could be a part of the team. So um, this was the same man that was, while I was trying to find a place to live, bringing me food and, you know, bread and peanut butter and jelly and, and, and things like that, you know, canned soups and, and whatnot. So that way I could, you know, have a means to an end as far as eating. And, uh, you know, joining the wrestling team, that's where I would get my showers and, and, and whatnot. So, um, and so I'd wind up moving in with a teammate who took me in. And, uh, yeah, you know, so I stayed in, uh, wrestling and, and that's, that's who was the first real good male role model that entered my life that took the reins and, and said, Hey, this is, this is not right. Um, and this is not okay. And this is abuse and this is very wrong. This is not normal. I hope you understand that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, ever since then, that man was there for me and he wind up later on down the road. Once I graduated, I had a couple more hardships and I wanted to quit my job and pursue fighting full-time and uh you know he took me in for the next four years um from about eight years old till 24 and uh or, or just just shy of yeah 24 um and uh you know those four years were a huge stretch of when i got a lot of fights in my career and uh i wouldn't i wouldn't be here today without you know living rent free for those those four years to try and pursue this dream it was very difficult especially after i broke my arm Dude, shout out to shout out to your coach. What a guy, dude. Will Harmon, baby. Let's go. No, Will Harmon, dude. Thank thank you for doing what you did for this man. Dude, that's yeah. that's huge. I, I do work with uh I do work with at risk youth here in Austin and uh I get it, dude. I, I wish I wish when I was young I had somebody somebody like myself or somebody to be able to like look up to and, and be there, be that person. Um, you know, my stepdad stepped into my life at an early age when my, when my father had moved away and wasn't around, you know, thank God for him. Um, everything I know good about being a man today, I learned from that man. So, um, I definitely know the impact somebody like that can have on you for sure. What, um, 
when did you start to realize that like oh i got something here i i, I know you said since eight you know you wanted to do that but when did it start clicking for you where it's like oh this is i'm gonna do this um i would say when it was like dial up speed fucking internet no shit yeah, we would watch, we would, me and my dad would watch videos, and I, I swore you would at like, 10 years old, like, man, when I'm bigger, and my thing was always like, once I'm bigger, you know, uh, I would just see people, like, and things that they would do, and, and the quit that they had, and I'm like, man, there's no way, like, I'm giving, I'm, at 13 years old, I was giving grown men, like, a hard time, um, you know, 15 years old, I was submitting grown men, so, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I've always kind of had this, this deli feeling of uh the unexplainable but the the utmost confidence you know even through being like beat down constantly i don't know if it was from just developing that rough tough attitude uh from the way that i was raised uh but you know i mean i was made fun of almost every single day in my life and put down and shit on and i think that just builds a certain confidence and a certain character that you can withstand and you understand that if you put your mind to anything, you're going to be able to do it. It's very cliche, but it's very true. So, but to, uh, to point a point a finger on when I, I don't know, I feel like it's something I've always kind of had, but it was always something that once I recognized it, uh, at an early age, it was like, man, I would say right around eight years old. It was just like, man, I don't think I'm going to be average. I just, I, I didn't have like a longing to do anything, but compete and fight. And, uh, it's what I would dream about. You know, I never dreamed of any other job. So, uh, I think that was it for me. I just, I didn't know what else to do. Cause this is what I had done my whole life. Right. Who was when you, so in those early years, you're eight years old and you're watching UFC or MMA fighting for the first time. Who were the fighters that you looked up to back then that you would find to? Amrock, I was a big fan of Frank Shamrock was, was huge to me. I was like Frank Shamrock. Uh, I loved Ken Shamrock. Um, I was always like a big, you know, uh, Hoyce Gracie, um, Hicks and Gracie. Um, so I was like back then, the Pride Days and all that. Fedor Milianenko, Andre Orlovsky, Evan Tanner when he was in the UFC. And, um, you know, I'd watch everything from Pride to uh, UFC to uh, boxing with Mike Tyson. Like, I loved all those guys. Like, Mike Tyson's my all time favorite. Like, I loved his attitude. I loved the me demeanor. Um, but it wasn't an act like that's what I loved about it is that that guy was genuinely a mean motherfucker in there and and that's what I loved about it um I could I felt like I could relate because I had like I had that chip on my shoulder too um and I was a probably a bitch at a certain point but you know that's that's the kid that you got to get beat out of you a little bit so uh yeah I quickly realized like I can, I can do this. I like this mentality. I like this go out there and smash people type mentality. But yeah, you know, all the old school guys back in the day, man, Dan Saver and all those guys, Tank Abbott. I was, I was just watching a bunch of the, bunch of the old stuff recently. It's funny to go back there. What, uh, do you remember the first fight you ever watched? Mm, no, I don't. Uh, I would assume it was boxing before MMA though. So I would probably say my first fight that I was introduced to was probably something Mike Tyson related. I was a huge fan. I remember my my first fight I ever got to see was uh, Tyson's first fight out of prison. It was Peter McNeely, and I remember I was I was with all the grown ups. I was with all the guys, and we all drew cards out of the deck. And if you drew the card, you won the pot of money or whatever. And I drew nine, and so I'm like, oh, ninth round. This is good. I'm a I'm a tiny kid right now. I have no idea. I just know it's Mike Tyson. It definitely didn't make it to the ninth round, and that was my first taste of fighting. But I've been a fan ever since. So. 
Tyson, Tyson's definitely my guy too, for sure. He's the greatest of all time. I don't care what nobody says. <laughs> have, have you seen that video recently of that cat in the Tyson video? There's a there's a video I don't know if it's viral or whatever, but this cat, this orange cat, is standing on the back of the of a couch, and Tyson highlights her in the background, and the cat moves its head, just like Tyson did. It's it's a wild video if it's real. It's 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 <laughs> pretty great. it's pretty good. I'll have to try and find it. The uh, so along your journey, dude. There's you know, do you have a moment that's kind of like maybe could be considered your rock bottom moment, in in life yeah. and fighting. Maybe yeah, not. yeah. I mean, you know, in, in both life and fighting, you know, I'll keep it towards the fighting side of it. Um, I've definitely had a lot more rock bottom with, you know, suicidal issues and things like that early on in my professional career. Uh, I was about 6-0 and when I first had, that, and that's on a personal one, you know, that that's not like my fighting low. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was 6-0 and and I was, I was defending my title for a regional promotion out here. And I just won the title, uh, like two, three months before that took a fight, really was not healthy mentally. It was, was, shouldn't have fought, kind of knew it. I, it was like one of those gut feelings too. Like I knew, like, I just wasn't super excited. I wasn't, I wouldn't get the chills about it. I was, I just, I didn't, didn't want to be there. I didn't want to go through the weight cut. I just, you know, the, and the, and the guy was, you know, uh, like I still talk to the guy today. Like I follow him, we talk. I've seen. I just saw him recently in Vegas. You know, he's not in the UFC scene. Uh, he's falling contender. Unfortunately, he just hasn't been able to pull the wins off. But uh, you know, I, I was dominating the fight. I was trashing him, uh, literally dominating. And I just remember at a certain point, I got a little bit tired. I took a sloppy shot. I got caught in a guillotine. But I remember leading up before that while fighting, I was just like, I couldn't wait for it to be over. I just didn't want to be in there. And, uh, that really freaks me out. Uh, and I think at that point, you know, uh, I wasn't healthy mentally, mentally. Um, and when you're, you're, you're not okay, just in everyday living, you can't go out there and expect yourself to, to perform to that level. And, uh, yeah. So for my first loss, my only real loss on my record, in my opinion, um, I know I have the arm break, but that's like, I was besting that guy too. So, uh, yeah, man. So that that was a rock bottom as far as like personal life stuff, uh, which I won't go into. But as far as rock bottom in my career, uh, I would say it's after I broke my arm uh, on the Contender Series because uh, of the amount of time that it took for me to come back, you know, a year and eight months and some change. And, uh, you know, just to, to get those feelings, get your feet wet again, fight with a shorter arm, a, a fucked up elbow that you can't fully like rotate your hand and I got screws in there. I got a ton of pain still. Every time I throw a punch, it hurts. Um, you know, 20 some years in, I finally get my shot and that's how it goes. You know, I, I go on and I, I get my, I get my arm broke. Uh, it's just, yeah, it sucked, man. It hurt. Um, I remember sitting out back of my coach's house and just feeling like I was a failure. Like I just, did I make the wrong choice? You know, I never questioned it before, but it was definitely a rock bottom when you sit around and you look and you're like, man, I've been putting 20 some years into something. I have no house. I have no car. Like I had a car, but, uh, you know, like, like not a new car <laughs> right, right. or your old car. You're not, you're not living like a lavish fighter. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have a house. I don't really have that good credit. I just like, you know, you don't make money when you're starting out very, uh, you know, you just don't make money until you're in the USD, a couple fights in the USC. Right. Put it that way. So, um, yeah, you know, I felt broken. I felt like I was uh, a true loser in life. And, you know, uh, luckily I had good people that were able to say, Hey, you know, like if this is not something you want to do, you can do something else. But I knew it wasn't over because every time somebody would say, I would get very irritated. 
I would get very, uh, like, you motherfuckers must have forgot. Like, I'm coming back. Mm-hmm. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. You know, I used to tell my girl, like, all the time, uh, at the time, like, I would look at her and be like, yo, like, I'm going to come back. I'm going to make this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to change our lives. I'm going to do this, you know, and I just knew it was a matter of time, man. So I just, once I finally was able to, you know, get through the first surgery, I went back. I joined this team that I'm a part of now, Marquez MMA, which is in Philadelphia. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd always been in contact with Sean Brady since I was like, you know, 14, 15 years old. Um, always knew of him. We always kept like cordiality. We're always cool. We weren't super close, but, you know, I knew he was training over there with a bunch of killers. And then I saw a bunch of guys getting the UFC over there, you know, Jeremiah Wells, past Sabatini. And I was like, look, man, obviously they got a good training room over there. And I used to see people going over there. Me and Andre Petrovsky trained together for the last 10 years. And uh, he finally went over there. And I was obviously out on injury still. And uh, I knew I had to make a switch at some point because I got to my contender series fight with no strength and conditioning coach, maybe hitting pads um, three days a week with the COVID shutdown. Um, you know, didn't really have the money to eat the cleanest. I had my, my best friends at the time from high school who literally only had wrestling experience and it wasn't like crazy eye level wrestling. I had no teammates. Like it was rough, man. So, but my point was that I made it all the way there with no structure, no, no developmental skills, no, you know, no, no coaching to, to that level. You know, I, I had my coach who I'm still, he was actually in my corner for my last fight, Sam Warpiza who, you know, we helped each other along the way. And, 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 you know, but he had a full-time job, three kids, uh, two kids and, a fiance and we're, you know, it's just really tough, you know? So once I was healthy, I went and I joined Marquez. Unfortunately, I had to get another surgery. I was in crazy pain. So I had a torn forearm. So I had a bunch of bone fragments and everything. And, uh, yeah, did the surgery, got back into, uh, you know, uh, PT physical therapy and, and got back in. and, uh, sorry about that. No, you go. I get mad calls that irritates me, and I, I guarantee you once I hit the F you button once, like, I get a call again, right? So, but yeah, man, so, yeah, I mean, it came back after that, finally got into Marquez, got in a routine, and, and got cleared at least, I think, two weeks before I made my debut back, and uh, it was one of the worst, one of the worst nerves that I've ever had, man, besides the, the second Contender Series fight, but, yeah, and it all worked out for the best, and I, and I got to, I got to realize that it wasn't over, and uh, prove myself right that, uh, that I have exactly what it takes, uh, and I'm a bad mofo, you know? Right. Bro, that's that's wild that you made it all the way to the Contender Series with none of that stuff. That's wild. That's why I was so confident, too, man. I was like, listen, I, I see people that train every day, and I didn't get that opportunity. I'm like, the second I get that opportunity and I get that structure and I got a real team, um, I know I can do great things, so that's why I'm here. Let's go. Dude, for somebody that for somebody that doesn't know, if you can if you can put it into words, what is a weight cut like for you? Yeah, uh, it's very it's rough. Um, like right now, I'm like two twenty. Uh, obviously, I have a fight in February, and uh, I'm gonna obviously be cutting uh, a decent amount of weight, thirty pounds roughly, and a little bit more than that, but uh, maybe like thirty one pounds uh, and most. But either way, like I'll lose at least like eleven to twelve pounds throughout the camp, mm-hmm. uh, and the rest is really you know. Well, they, and, uh, you know, trying to cut out, um, suck the water out of my body. So, um, I'll probably get out the fight week about two Oh seven ish. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll make the last 22, 22 and a half pounds, all water. 
and uh you know do it carefully but it's definitely a hard weight cut for me i'm a big boy now and i fell out pretty good um i'm not as heavy as i used to be because i just gotten um uh an injury that i had to like let heal for a little bit but then they offered this opportunity so i can't say that i'm a hundred percent but i'm close to a hundred percent and i'm i'm happy with the opportunity that possessed itself and i believe in myself you know what i mean at, at the end of the day i I left my arms falling the fuck off. I think I'm going to whoop this guy. And, uh, yeah, but the weight cuts are definitely tough, man. There's nothing easy about cutting weight, especially when you're doing it right. Right. And you're, you're just making the weight class. So, uh, I think in a couple of years, maybe two or fives in the future, but that time is not now. Right. Yeah, dude, I, I see what some, some fighters go through, you know, I'm obviously not firsthand, but I see what they go through on weight cut and that shit just does not look does not look fun at all that's definitely not the glorious part of fighting i imagine yeah no it's it's definitely not it's a uh it's a very disciplined part of it um and it, it's the make or break at stages you know wake up can really determine how you rehydrate how you come back the next day the following night to fight and i think people don't understand that that this is uh this is this is very tough um especially if you're inexperienced you know uh, to be honest I, i'm very shocked at how some people cut their weight i think a lot of people need to be a lot more educated in doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's not my job to sit there and help everybody. Yeah. If, you, you don't want to help them out. If you're in my weight class and you don't cut weight right, that's good for me. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to whoop your ass. So, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you've even seen the guy, Alex Pereira, big guy. You know, everybody's always talking about how big he is and all this bullshit. And uh, I'm sure he's got a tough weight cut and, you know, like a hammy end to move up. So it's definitely not easy on us. It's not easy on our bodies. And uh, we'll probably be fucked up as we're older, but you only live once, right? Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. What, uh, dude, what is it like, you know, aside from the arm break and stuff like that, what is it like, what is the feeling walking out to the octagon for your first UFC fight? Uh, like I'm, I remember, I remember when I walked out from my debut, I was like, holy shit. I was like, we finally fucking here. I remember voicing that, like saying that as I'm walking out and, uh, it felt right, man. It felt right. Uh, it felt like I was supposed to be there and, uh, I was happy to be there. I wanted to be there. You know, I, I had figured out a lot about myself mentally, but yeah, you know, I knew I wanted to be there. I knew, uh, I knew the time was right. I knew every time that I was, uh, that I was heard that it was going to pay off and, and it was going to lead to a big moment like it did. And yeah, I just remember walking and, and being like, oh shit, like I'm finally fucking here. I finally did it. Now let's see what we can do. Um, I remember that matchup. I was like, man, that fucking sucks for that guy. So, uh, yeah, I was happy, man. Talked my shit in a nice way and went out there and put hands on Are you a, are you a talker during the fight or no? Uh, I mean, let's put every time I've dropped somebody, I say some shit to them. I, I don't really know. I couldn't tell you what I said. It's probably something like, what's up? Or come take my name or you know, what, what's up now, motherfucker? Like something like that. It's just, I fight with a big chip on my shoulder. You know what I mean? I'm hungry for it. So it's, it's not meant to be disrespectful or egotistical. You know, I mean, maybe it is ego too, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fucking fighting somebody. I'm not, I'm not playing, you know, phone wrestling here. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I get like sometimes I'll like you know, somebody if I catch on to like somebody's trying to do something to me constantly, you know, I'll, I'll give them like a head nod, like, hey, go ahead, throw it. Like, so, uh, yeah, I don't know yet. I don't know. I, I'm not really a talker in the fight, I, I guess I should say, because I can't remember too many moments. But when I hit people, like, there's 
that. I know there's been this misconception in the UFC that, like, when I knocked out uh, the guy Gerald Mearshart, I kind of waited. When I dropped Ozzy Diaz and my contender win, I kind of waited. When I dropped the guy on my debut, I kind of waited. But it wasn't it wasn't hesitation. It was punking him, like standing over him. Like, yeah, fucker, like, you know I got you. Like, that's it. And uh, it's not, there's no hesitation with me, man. So um, I like clean knockouts and I like, I like letting somebody know, like, I, I took you out. Like, I, I, you felt me. So, um, yeah, I mean, so no, I don't really think I'm a talker, but. There's, there's one fight, I forget who you were fighting, but you did that. You, you hesitated and it was almost like you, or you, you didn't hesitate, but you did what you're saying where you just kind of punked him. And then the the ref should have clearly stopped it, and you popped him one more time when he was on the ground, and then he was out for sure. I can't. Yeah, that was my uh, that was my debut for sure. Okay, they, he was wearing yellow shorts. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That was my debut. Yep. Yeah, he was the one. I said something to him. I don't remember it was. I I couldn't tell you. It's just sometimes I'm in a certain mode, man. And I I don't black out or anything like that, Corey crap. But I definitely am uh, very high on emotion, especially when I drop somebody. I know how hard I punch and how hard I hit. So. Uh, I know that when I drop somebody, I drop somebody. Right. So even if you get up, like bring it, I, I know you're hurting. Right. So I do damage and I do big damage. That's my, that's my, uh, that's my thing. So you said, dude, you said, you know, you, you just said something about, you know, everything you do, you do with a chip on your shoulder. And I, dude, I've said that on this podcast probably a, a hundred times. Um, there's just a feeling in me with you know all the all the things I put myself through with with drug addiction and prison and all these get, getting kicked out of the military all these things where when I got sober and I got my life together and you know I, I started running ultra marathons or all these things that I started doing that started changing my life everything I did and everything I do to this day it doesn't matter if it's this podcast this interview I do with a chip on my shoulder because I don't really have anything to prove to people, but I still feel like I do, whether it's my family, my friends, just the general public. I'm here to show them, like, I'm not what you thought I was. You thought I was a worthless addict. You thought I was this. You thought I was that. I'll show you who I am. Um, all I know is it's worked out in my favor thus far, and I don't plan on changing it anytime soon. I feel like it gives me an edge over a whole lot of people. Um, it doesn't matter if it's the time I get up in the morning, me going to the gym, whatever it is, I do it with something to prove. I can relate to that. Uh, the difference, I don't know if it's a difference, obviously, because we didn't talk about it, but I'm very, uh, like, I'm like an elephant. I don't forget shit. You know what I mean? That I, I can't say it on grudge men. Like, I don't hold the grudge, but also not holding a grudge doesn't mean that you have to, to let people back into your life type of deal. And, and that's kind of like the thing I go through now is, you know, I got four sisters and I don't talk to any of them, but it's that fine line like do i let him back into my life or not and it's like yeah nah man like what do I, in a selfish way it's like what do i have to gain by having this person in my life and if you can't and, and it doesn't have to be financial i don't i don't care like i'll make my own money um but you know what does this person bring do they bring good energy do they bring um you know do they bring me happiness do they bring knowledge did it bring me advice did it bring me something that i can use and the answer for that unfortunately is my family is that they don't bring anything to the table that i could use in my life and that 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 to me is a worthless relationship and that's a worthless friendship to have um so yeah i mean do it because you will love to do it first and foremost and uh fucking computers always making noise man you good do you see what it did? Do you see what it did earlier? You put your thumb up and then it did a little thumbs up on the screen. Yeah, I saw that. I 
I was like, what the frick? Uh, the bro, they, everything is like so much scans, like facial scans and shit anymore. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, do it because you love to do it. And, and yeah, I mean, fuck the people that don't believe in you. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not apologetic. I'm not one of these soft people. I'm not, you know, all, your feelings matter. Fuck your feelings, man. At the end of the day, like, this is, uh, this is a cold world and the people that are deserving of it are going to be the ones that are in your life and, and stick it out and can have an argument and still come to common ground and, uh, you know, stand by your side, even if they don't like something, you know? So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of people come and go. I've had a lot of people try to enter my life just because, you know, they feel entitled or, oh man, I always knew it type deal, but, but I know, I know who was there, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, they can, they can play that all they want. They can share my pictures. They can share short, do whatever you want. But there's very few people out of a very, very small circle. Um, as far as people that I trust and that I care about. And, uh, I like it that way. So, yep. I also won't be rude to people that want to support. Like if you're a fan, be a fan. I love it. You know, like I said, I don't want to be a role model. I say that a lot and I want to be an inspiration, um, you know, for the younger generation, like hey, person, be persevering, be resilient you know, have a ton of self-belief and who cares what anybody else has to say, go out there and prove it wrong. If you think this is what you're the best at, then do it. I don't do anything to take second place either. So damn right. Damn right. This podcast ain't meant to be second place. My fight career, I'm not fucking coming to be top 10 or what. I'm coming to be number one. Right. I don't do be second place. I don't even play video games to be fucking second place. Bro. <laughs> There's nothing in my life. If we're going to race, if we got to do lifting, if we got to do anything, I'm not doing anything to be second place. I hear you. What? Uh, how much? How much lifting? Like, obviously, you talked about strength and conditioning, but like on a yearly basis, I'm sure every fighter's different. How much weights do y'all actually do? Because boy, uh, because you cut up as a motherfucker up in that ring, dude. Yeah, I mean, it really depends um, on the fighter, obviously. But me, I like to be powerful. I like to be explosive. Um, I think it's, it's, it's something like I have skills, right? I have boxing skills. I have wrestling and I'm well-rounded. That's what these fuckers don't get either is I'm good at everything. Um, I'm not the best at everything, but I'm good at everything. Uh, I don't really, I can't really say that I have a weak area. But, uh, I, I'm very good at jujitsu. I, I, I go with very high level, you know, jujitsu players too. Um, I, I'm, I'm good, obviously at boxing. I'm, I'm good at kickboxing. Uh, you know, I'm pretty solid everywhere, but, uh, you know, I, I like to try and become better as an athlete with, you know, footwork drills and, and, and explosive drills and squatting. You know, one thing I didn't have when I came into the UFC was a, a very big, uh, like muscle on my frame. I had a big frame, but I didn't have that much muscle because I hadn't had a chance after having the surgeries and the two comeback fights, you know, they were kind of like these positions where I couldn't say no type of deal. Mm-hmm. I wanted to jump through that window that is very, very small to get into the UFC. So, um, I also think things are like really big on timing. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, once I finally got in, I, I go to, I, I lift at least two days a week, um, stress conditioning wise. And I do a lot. And those, those two lifts, uh, two days a week. And sometimes I do three. It really depends when I'm out of season, I'll do four. Cause I like to get bigger. I like to, I like to look full. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I kind of get like body dysmorphia, but when I'm doing all this cardio shit and all these, you know, sled pulls and fucking farmers walks and all this shit, dude, I do everything, but it's more or less functional movement mm-hmm. to answer your question than it is traditional lifting. You know, um, I never want to kind of do traditional lifting. It's not really something that's helpful for what I do. So, uh, yeah, a lot of explosive dynamic, like speed, like fast spring type shit. 
And uh, yeah, I get I get pretty cut too because of the weight. That's what I'm saying, bro. You diced you're diced up in there. I'm definitely a big middleweight when I get in there, that's for sure. Right. What uh But this five rounds, so I might be a little smaller this time, just so that way I uh, I don't have so much muscle on me. Some endurance? Yeah. What? I got endurance, don't worry, but I got uh I gotta make sure that, you know, in case I can't put him away type of deal, um, because he is tough, that uh I could beat his ass for five rounds instead of just, you know, the, the first three. <laughs> her Hermanson, right? Is that how you say his last name? Jack Hermanson. What what uh what what day shows fight? Uh, February 10th. And it's where? UFC Fight Night in Las Vegas, I believe, the Apex. Okay. And you, you've obviously, you you fought there before, huh? Yeah, I fought there uh, three times. I fought Ozzy Diaz there. I fought my debut there. Uh, and I fought my most recent fight against Al Hassan there. And have you fought outside of the Apex? Yeah, I fought in Miami at the Miami Dade Center. So I fought one time in front of a crowd. Hey, that's what... I'm not, I don't, bro, and that's the other thing, I don't stress about that shit, I don't care if there's 10 million people or if there's zero people there, I like the Apex because I get to hear my shots when I throw, and I can hear them breathing, and I can hear them wince from the shots, so I'm really big on that, and I'm like, I don't know, there's something about the Apex so far that I've just been honed in, and yeah, I, I do, I do well there, man, I do work, so it's good. That's, that's even better for you, it's almost a, it's almost a home field game for you. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's why this fight has been put together the way it has. You know, I don't think Jack, like obviously Jack, doesn't live here in this country that I know of. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be my fourth fight there. They're relatively in a year and a half, so uh, I think the home field advantage is for me. What would you say? This is this is kind of a fun question. What is your ultimate walkout song? If you had, if you had to pick one, you're you're fighting for the title. What's the walkout song? Ish. My mine changes daily. Yeah, mine changes a lot too. But I it, it it's between two. Uh, the song that I've walked out to the most is called "Last Breath" by Future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the song that I could see myself doing that to would probably be "No Easy Way Out" by Robert Trepper from the Rocky Four movie. Okay. So classic. Re- yeah, uh, it, it brings me, you know, it's not some crazy, like, thumper type deal, but to me, it's it's very, uh, like, where Rocky's, like, reminiscing on his life, and, and Paolo died, and he gets killed by Drago, and he's just, you know, he's driving a Lamborghini, I'm real big in the car, so I also, I often think back to that movie, because that's how I kind of reflect, like, I'll go take a drive in one of my cars and whatnot, and, you know, bump music, and then just kind of reflect and think about things and where i want where i want to be where i've been where i came from and uh that song strikes a, a strong emotion out of me and i think that's what i based my walkout songs off of you know whatever whatever brings that that killer instinct out that that um that that kills whatever brings me that them chills and brings me that that hard emotional moment uh that's what i walk out to so i think it would probably be no easy way out okay good shit when uh so when we're speaking a matter of fact here. So in the in the near future, when you do win the title, what and and you start getting that big UFC payday, what is the what is the dream car you're gonna buy? Dodge Viper ACR twenty seventeen. Oh, he knew it. He knew it. He had it. I got all this shit written down, brother. Yeah, yeah I do. But I'm uh I'm very big on, you know speaking it into existence. Oh yeah, speaking into his existence and it, it fucking fails, you know. That's why I say the things. I don't know if you've ever watched any of my pre-fight content, but I'm very big on saying what I'm going to do mm-hmm. and how I 
things are going to play out. And, uh, you know, it's, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't type deal. And uh, I know that this is a fight. Anything could happen. I could prepare. I could be confident. I could get cracked and get put to sleep. You know, I've never been put to sleep, but I'm also very okay with, uh, I don't want to say I'm okay with losing or being okay with getting put to sleep, but I kind of let dolls controlling that and trying to stop that. It's just, hey, let me focus on this performance so I can beat this guy's ass and whatever, whatever the result is, the result is, you know? So, um, yeah, uh, but yeah, definitely. Dodge Viper ACR 2017. And when uh, I win the title, I won't be paying for it is what I know. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what, uh, so with the intense lifestyle of a fighter and the training and, and everything you do, what does your life look like when you unwind? Like, what do you do to chill? What do you do to unwind and relax? Play video games, cursing kids on Call of Duty. <laughs> Try to break them psychologically, you know? As much as I'm sitting here saying I want I don't want to be a role model and inspiration for the younger generation, Warzone's kinda of like that 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 free zone where you can just pick on people and get picked on and, and have like that safe space to go like <laughs> go and uh, fuck with people a little bit. So I love playing Warzone, especially with my boys and my friends. It's super fun, super toxic. Um sometimes it's a little too toxic and I gotta get the fuck off because I get irritated. But uh yeah, I would say um, Call of Duty video games has always been a big part of my life. Um, you know, definitely cars. I'm very, I'm very big on working with my hands. I like building cars. Um, my problem has always been having the money to do so. Right. Um, now, now I'm running into money, obviously, a little bit as I continue to have success in my career. So I, I would say video games and cars. And I also like to travel. You know what I mean? When I say travel, like go out on hikes or, you know, try to go explore something new. It's not as often as I was like, I would like because I'm always training or I'm always getting ready for something. So, I get, uh, I get kind of stuck in this mode where it's like, there's no exception. I gotta, I gotta be home either resting, recovering or training. And that's kind of the only thing I'll do until February. But, uh, but yeah, traveling cars, video games. It's shit. The brother. So when I, when I was young, obviously like we were playing Madden and stuff like that, but there was no online, but the level of shit talk of these kids nowadays is next level on there. My 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 little brother plays it. I hop. It's weaker now. It's weaker. It's weaker now, man. Yeah. I don't know. I they say they say worse like fucked up shit. Um, as far as like insensitive shit, right? But it's weaker. Like you can't make fun of anybody for anything these days. Yeah, you, know, you got fucking chat band now. It's terrible, man. It's like, oh come on, dude. Like you're gonna censor everything. It's like. Freedom of speech really ain't a thing, man. Because you say the wrong thing on there, you're chat man, and nobody can hear you. I. I didn't really I didn't realize they, they they started doing that. I I sat down with my little brother years ago and got on and I just I remember I had like I felt like ten year olds were calling me every name and shit talking. I'm like, what the fuck? I love that man because I'd be shitting on these little kids and they'd be screaming, hear them screaming in the hot mic and whatnot, getting all upset. And they but, uh, and they have no idea they have no idea who they're talking to, right? No, 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 not at all. I, I don't have my handle anywhere near like my real name or anything like that. I just like, I want to be able to, you know, that's the other thing too, is that, you know, I never want to get so famous where it's like, uh, I don't, and I'm not famous. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm I get, I get what you mean. But, uh, I never want to, I never want to have that kind of privacy invaded where it's like, oh man, I can't have a personal life type of deal. So, um, I keep my personal life very private, uh, you know, intimately, uh, as well as, you know, like my private life, as far as when I'm playing games with my friends or doing things like that, where I'm going type stuff. I just, I think 
you know, Instagram is a great tool for promoting business, which I am a business person as well. You know, I'm a fighter. This is still business at the end of the day. This is about making the right fights for the right money for the right time. And, um, you know, uh, I'll fight the best in the world at a certain point. You know, once I make good money and, and, and I fight the right opportunities, this is a good fight for good money, new contract. And, uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah, but I, I do enjoy pumpkin some kids on call of duty until they bought my ass and it's like ah shit. all right i'm i'm so i'm so out of practice i can't even respond without getting killed so i'll I'll leave i'll leave it up to y'all dude what um so dude i'm so so thankful for your time man i appreciate you coming on the one way we like to wrap up the podcast is um it's called the i am redemption podcast my goal with this whole podcast is starting is getting people to understand the power that they have in their story um, we're, we're all recovering from something. Everybody comes from different walks of life. You've had different life experiences than I do. And each person with these unique like life experiences, it's special when you can go back and use that to inspire people or to help people. And so if you'd be willing, man, if you throw out a couple I am statements to let them, the audience know who Joe Pfeiffer is. Yeah. I mean, I think right off the rip, um, I like the message with that, you know, uh, it brings a lot of self-awareness, right? You know, and one, a couple of them that I would say is one is I am resilient. Uh, I think my career is a testimony to that. Um, I'm also, I am persevering. Um, and, uh, you know, those two things right there are probably the most powerful to describe me as a person. I don't accept no for an answer. And, uh, you know, I, I am, I'm a person that never gives up and keeps coming back. I'm like the, the cockroach that you can't tell, man, <laughs> but it still comes back. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's the resiliency and the perseverance and that's, that's the true testimony as to why I am here. You know, I could have quit after my injury. I could have quit after my suicide stuff. I could have quit after my first loss. I could have quit after my technically my second loss, um, and these were things that all happened prior to me even getting in the UFC. You know, since I've been in the UFC, I've been on the tear, I've been doing my thing. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, I am persevering. I am resilient. And I think the last thing is that uh, I am a faith-based man. So uh, I think that whether you are Christian or whether you have another belief or whatever the case is, as long as you have a belief that you can set that anxiety on, and truly believe in and have that vacuum. I think that's that's a huge life change, uh, a huge game changer, uh, a huge confidence booster. You know, I, I always say like a little prayer. Uh, a lot of people always ask me why I do this, and I, I always say a prayer before I get in there. And it's, I feel like I take all my problems in my life and I just kind of put it on hold for a second. I put it on a shelf. So yeah, I would say I'm a faith-based person. I am persevering. I am a, you know, I'm a relentless motherfucker. <laughs> yes, you are. So. Well, dude, thank you so much. Trust we are big Joe Pfeiffer body bag body bags fans around here. We will be rooting for you in your next fight, dude. I'm so excited to see it. I'm so excited to see what you do after. Thank you so much for taking the time, man. Um, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope this blows up, and uh, I can't wait to see you in a couple of years and see what you're doing, man. So thank you for having me on, and uh, I'm glad I could be a part of this. Let's go. Thank you, brother. Have a good one, man. Thanks.